First of all, I just want to use this time to um, just to thank each and every one of you, um, just for the time and the season that my family and I have had here. Um, this week, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this message, um, but this week I've spent, I at least want to be coherent, but <laughs> this week I've spent the time um, writing this message. I had another message that I felt like the Lord had given me, but when I started to sit down this week with the Lord and just really pray into it, I felt like he gave me this message, and and so it's very special to me. He knitted, to, knitted it together piece by piece, and every detail is important. Um, so I, I want to get through it. But I wanted to be able to say first that I'm thankful um, to Dr. Melody and, and Pastor Stephen and, and Pastor Joel and Katie, Pastor Katie, um, just for saying yes, for being willing to have me come out and be a part of what all you are doing and to be able to contribute to what you're building here. It's, um, it's been very special to me and very valuable to me, so I'm very thankful for that. Um, when I think of Dr. Melody, the, the phrase that comes to mind is, is the phrase that she says often is, just be you and do it for him. And that phrase so touches my heart because it's just, to me, a, it's a piece of her calling, but it's a very valuable piece of her calling, and um, it just exemplifies who she is as a person. Everything she does sort of kind of flows out of that, her passion to see each and every one of us come into the fullness of who we are, and then to learn how to surrender to God so that we can really fully see who we are in him, just as she was talking about earlier. So that has really impacted my life, and I want to thank you for that. And Pastor Steve, I've just really enjoyed um, getting to know you. I have so enjoyed um, just, I, I think of him, I think of joy. Um, I just always enjoy your messages. I enjoy your spirit. I enjoy your passionate pursuit of the kingdom. I enjoy your passionate pursuit of God. And then your constant reminder to us um, that we're children and just going for everything that God has. And, and just the joy and that, just that safe, fun atmosphere that, that you create in this household that I got to be a part of. Um, for Pastor Joel, I just, <laughs> gosh, you've really touched my heart. I think you truly have a pastor's heart and a shepherd's heart. And um, I've just watched how you have stewarded the people that God has um, given you, how you've led them. Um, Melody often refers to you as having this deep wisdom, but one of the ways that I see it most is in your long-suffering and patience. And so I just want to thank you for that. The way I've watched it, I've learned from you by observing. And I've watched how you love people the way the Word says that Father God leads people with his eye. You know, and so you just gently lead people into finding the fullness of who they are. And you just have this, um, you can just tell that within you, you can see who they really are. And you just have this deep desire inside of you to see them step into the fullness of that. So I really appreciated that. And I really am thankful for getting to observe that and be a part of that. And for Pastor Katie, she's behind the camera. But um, gosh, I don't even know where to begin with Pastor Katie. Um, she has deeply deeply touched my heart. I've spent a lot of most of my time here with her and and um, she's like she can juggle a bunch of things on her foot while still daydreaming and creating with God these beautiful masterpieces that just explode into this amazing kingdom expression but um, she too carries this wonderful gift of patience and uh, just a gift of love and you can see God's fingerprints on everything that she says and does and everything that she puts her hands to and um, she has a really big friend following her around. His name is Jesus. And you can see it, and you can feel it, and you can experience it. So just thank you for impacting me and living your life that way, not just in what you do when you're here, but you live your life that way, and it's so apparent. So I want to thank you for that. And then finally, I want to just thank the Church of Giving Light. Um, 
Each and every one of you have impacted me in the same way. This is a household that carries everything that I just mentioned. It's not um, just in some people, but it's in every single one of you. And so I'm just thankful um, to to come into a community that is so welcoming. Um, You are a training and equipping center, but at the same time, when you have people come through like me, you still love us like one of your own. And you still love us like a child, like your own child. And so it's just, it's really touched our hearts, um, how you've just brought us into your tight-knit family, and you've welcomed us, and you've loved us and um, in a way that um, you just don't find everywhere. So I just really appreciate that in each and every one of you, how you've appreciated us, um, you've encouraged us, and you've loved us so, so well. And so my family thanks you from the bottom of our heart. Um, I just want to take a minute to say that, um, I, you know, I've done a lot of training in inner healing and deliverance and different things, but there's a healing that only comes in connection. And there's a healing that only comes in being knitted into a group of people that purpose to connect with you and purpose to love you um, no matter what. And it's, I, it's been healing, frankly, for my family and I to be here. It's been very healing. And so I'm just, I can't express to you enough that, you know, you think you're in a training program and you're coming um, to do things, but really God has a plan for you while you're there, and he had a plan to impact my family and I in a way that was very healing to us, all three of us, in ways that you'll never know, and so I just want to thank you um, just for purposing to connect with us and purposing to love us and purposing to bring healing to our hearts, Um, so we just had a a gift that we wanted to give you all. can, Can you bring it up? Thanks. And just to give you a little background, um, growing up, um, I, the only experience I had of church was being in a, uh, was kind of really observing in a community. I wasn't really a part of it. Um, that they had certain requirements for you to be able to be a part of the community, um, certain requirements for you to be able to come to the table of the Lord. And communion is very important to me for one of those. That's one of the reasons why communion is so important to me. But um, so as a child who was so hungry for God and then seeing I didn't meet the requirements to be able to come to the table or to be a part of the family, especially when you feel like God was in the family and God was in the house. And so it's just amazing to see um, people who don't have any requirements for you being a part of who they are and to be a part of the family of God. So it's just very special that you don't find that everywhere. So I just I know I'm belaboring a point, but it's just amazing to me. So the gift that we have is it's a Rose of Sharon. Okay, you can't see the flowers yet. They'll be white. And I just felt like when I was asking the Lord what to what to give, that's what he said. And um, and I didn't know much about it, actually. But, we, of course, we researched it. <laughs> you know, both Jason and I. And, um, and we found out that the Rose of Sharon is, um, well, one of the neat things about it that we didn't know is that it reproduces a lot. So be thoughtful about that when you plant it somewhere. But we did try to get the variety that didn't go too crazy. But um, it does reproduce a lot. And I just felt like that was very prophetic of this house, that, um, that you're growing in ways that you can't even see, the, what you're reproducing in this place. And to me, again, one of the most valuable ways that you're reproducing is in, is in loving people so well. But um, so that's one of the things about it. And then it's a white flower, um, which I just felt like was just a, uh, representative of the righteousness of this house and um, of the bride of Christ. And so... Um, 
I just really like the idea of being able to give something that you'll be able to keep. And so um, I just hope that, um, that this that this will just touch your heart the way that you all have touched Mars. So I just want to read to you from um, your welcome, Song of Solomon. I may not have that one. Um, Song of Solomon 2, 1 through 4. Um, and just speak it over you. I know that you all are love speaking the word over yourselves and see the fruit of what that is. So I just felt like um, that's just something pertaining to the gift here. But giving light, you are a rose of Sharon. You are a lily of the valleys. The Lord says, as a lily among brambles, so is my love giving light among maidens. As an apple tree among the trees of wood, so is my beloved Jesus to you among men. With great delight, you sit in his shadow, and his fruit is sweet to your taste. He has brought you to the banqueting house, and his intention toward you is always love. So I just pray that... Um, that as you see that that plant, that flower, that you'll remember that, that, um, that you're the lily of the valley, this church is. Um, so what I plan to do as part of uh, my message is, what I felt like this message ended up being was the Lord speaking to me and just um, talking to me. And so I just want to share with you our conversation that we had, my personal conversation that I had with the Lord. And I know everybody's different, so it may not pertain to you, but I just pray that no matter what, whatever golden nuggets that he brings out of it that you might be able to use for yourself or at least have compassion for someone like me in the future, um, what he shared with me. But um, no matter what, this time it is our last Sunday, but this time we all came here to encounter the Lord. And so I just pray that this time that the Lord encounters you in both word and in presence. And so we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you for your presence, God, that is always so powerful in this place. God, we thank you that you're with each and every one of us right now and that you're speaking to us and that you're touching our hearts and bringing us into greater levels of glory. And so, Father, we just thank you that this time is yours and that we're going to encounter you in ways that we've never known before and ways that are specific to us. So we bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. So um, the reason why I talk about connecting and connection a whole lot is because when I first really got to know Jesus, one of the first things he spoke to me about was that his desire for my life was that I would be connected to him and have a relationship with him and I would let him love me. And that was also his plan for my life. He actually said to me at one point a couple of years ago when man, I was bored. I was a stay-at-home mom, and I'm a doer. I like to do stuff. And so I was just really racking my brain, Jesus, you got to have something for me to do. And, and he said, would it be enough if I just loved you? Would it be enough? If that was the only reason why you're here is just so that I can love you, would that be enough for you? And now, frankly, I had to think about that for a few minutes because, I, I mean, I like to do stuff. But I had to understand that before I could do anything, um, I had to let him love me first because everything I do would flow out of that and there would be no life in anything I did if it didn't first come out of his love. I don't have really anything to give of myself, but I can give what he's giving me. So I talk about um, connection a lot because it's just sort of where I began with him. Um, I am in by no means an expert on relationship. Um, it's something that I value deeply. It's something that I desire deeply. And it's something that I'm so thankful that I got to be here in a community with people who do it so well so that I can learn. But um, it's neat that the Lord leads us through our desires. And so the more that I let him love me, the more I'm able to just reach out and love everyone else around me and to learn how to really do relationship. Um, 
But it all starts with letting him love you first. And then once you're able to let him love you first, it convicts you and it compels you in a way to love others. And it shows you how to love others in the same way. And so you can't let him love you without you being able to do the same thing. So that's really the journey that I'm on. Um, So to give you a big picture of where I want to go this morning, we'll see if we get there. But um, I want to talk about your first love, the pursuit of the king's heart. So the Lord reminds me throughout my journey of my first love. And so when I think, okay, I got that. I got that great love. Let's move on. No, no. He draws me back in. No, let's come back and talk about your first love again. Okay? Because that's what this is all about. That's what the purpose of your life is. So that's what we're going to talk about today is the conversation I have with the Lord regarding my first love. So not many people know that, well, I guess probably you all do, but I didn't go around for years after I quit my profession. I, I didn't tell anybody I was an engineer. Um, I actually thoroughly enjoyed telling people that I was a stay-at-home mom um, because there are some assumptions, good and bad, that come with finding out that someone's an engineer. But most importantly, when you tell someone you're a mom, no matter what people think about being a stay-at-home mom, to me, being a mother is one of the highest callings in the kingdom. Okay, so I again, I am not good at it. (laughs) I'm certainly not good at staying at home, you know, but but whatever he's teaching us in the natural and he's allowing us to do in the natural is something that he wants to then transfer into this this kingdom realm. So I realized that it was very important that I learned how to be a mother because that was what he was calling me to in the spiritual realm, in the kingdom realm. And so there's no other calling I'd rather have than to be able to do that. And so I'm just so thankful to be in a house with a mom and a father that, um, that have shown me how to do that. And so... Um, one of the things that people think about engineers getting back on track is um, that they're smart. That must be how they got through school. And while I can only speak for myself and for my husband, I'm not saying that we're in, engineers are not smart, but I think the key, everybody has their own kind of smart, <laughs> but I think the key really of being able to get through engineering school is perseverance, frankly. If you ask my husband, that's the only thing that got us through. If we didn't have the best grades. Um, we didn't. We aren't the always the sharpest knives in the drawer, but we certainly could hang in there. I could grab on and not let go. And so that perseverance is probably one of my greater strengths, the ability to just stick it out, you know, and to grab on and not let go. And so the thing about that is, though, is when you learn how to survive and do some things and have some strengths outside of the Spirit of God, like before you met God or before you really knew God or before you learn how to surrender that thing to God, it can begin to take a higher priority in your life. And it can, you can, it can actually be a weakness. So um, for me, perseverance is one of those that I have to constantly check in with God and make sure that I am not running with that thing because I learned how to survive on perseverance for a very long time. Okay, so while we all have our different strengths and different things, and, and while they're all very good things, um, the bottom line is, is that everything is in the context of God and everything is in the context of who he is. And our lives are always meant to revolve around him, revolve around the sun. And so any strength that we have, if it comes a prior, higher priority than being led by the spirit, then it actually becomes a weakness in our relationship with him, which is center of everything, right? Everything is in the context of him. The beautiful thing of being able to say that Jesus is our Lord being able to say that not just Jesus is our Lord, but he's, he's the Lord of my perseverance, is, is really, it's just, it's a very awesome thing to say. Because if you've ever had a time in your life pre-Jesus that you 
Jesus wasn't Lord of things of your life, and these are things that you could have done well and been very successful at, to find that you're finally in a place where you can say Jesus is Lord of certain areas of your life is just, it's an awesome feeling. Because what it means at the end of the day is that Jesus is alive, right? He's not just given us a mandate of something we have to do, but he's alive and he's empowering us to make him Lord of every single area of our life. So um, it's just a great thing to know that he's Lord. So here's what the Lord was speaking to me this week. Will you put the first? Okay. All right. On the topic of first love, it says, I know what you do. You work hard and you never give up, but I have this against you. You left the love that you had in the beginning. So remember where you were before you fell and change your hearts and do what you did at first. This conversation is a reminder that I have throughout my walk with Jesus that no matter what season I'm in, especially when I'm getting through something, because you guys know I love some victory, (laughs) is that I have to return to my first love, okay? I have to keep him at the center of everything. We can take a thing like perseverance or whatever your strength is, and we can run with it, and we can try to yoke Jesus to us when we're supposed to be yoked to him, and I've done it. And if you know, the word says, if you'll go to the next slide, that perseverance and persisting and endurance is a fantastic thing. It actually is a good thing. It's something the Bible tells us to strive towards. It says, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let the endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So the truth of the matter is, is we all know that the only place that we lack nothing is actually in him. But first glance of this verse, you could say, well, perseverance is going to put me in a place of lacking nothing. But the truth of the matter is, is that everything we do is in the context of him. So it's the persevering towards him that puts us in a place of not lacking anything, not just perseverance towards the other side or the victory. Sometimes we like to think we can't have any gain if we don't have any pain. But the gain is not actually in the pain. It's in him, in the midst of it, in the midst of the threat of pain. We know that our faith is not in our faith. We know that our faith is in him. And we also know that the devil comes to try and sift you and test your faith. But he's not testing your faith in your faith. He wants to test your faith in God. He wants to test your faith in your belief and who God is, who he is to you, who you are to him. And he wants to see if he can do something that will shake that and cause you not to believe who you are anymore or cause you not to believe who he is anymore. So it's never about our faith and our faith or it's not never about our perseverance, but it's about our connection to God. Everything is in the context to him. Can he shake your faith in your beloved and what he's done for you? The only one that's died for you and has given everything for you. So sometimes in the enduring and the going through and the perseverance, even if it's a strength that we all have, um, we forget our first love. It's God's will that we persevere to the end. It's God's will that we get the victory. And we often hear, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but That should also be true of our relationship with God, right? We all know, we've all heard of relationships or situations that have been through a trial or something difficult. 
Um, you know, we constantly have these battles that we go through, whether they're small or big. And when we get to the other side of it, how's our friendship with Jesus? You know, how's our friendship with him? Any difficult trial can test a relationship. It can test a marriage. You hear about families that maybe they had a sick child or a child that died. And at the other end of it, they got through it. But how was their marriage when it was all over? How was their relationship? Because they so focused on getting through the trial that they forgot the relationship. So this is my temptation. This backpack right here. And sometimes I feel like that Jesus has given me this backpack, okay? And inside my backpack, I've got a small snack because I'm not going to be in the struggle very long. I'm going to get the victory. (laughs) You all know me. Okay, I got this hammer. (laughs) I love the hammer. You know, you can nail screws with this. You can nail bolts with this. You can knock down walls if you got a hammer. There's nothing you can't do. I got this little bit of water from my last encounter with Jesus. I've got my, where is she, foot file. Because you know, (laughs) the Israelites may have had shoes that didn't wear out, but my heels do. I got duct tape because we discovered in nuclear power that there's nothing you can't solve without duct tape. Just kidding, just kidding, don't get scared. And then... I have my cell phone, right? So my temptation is, is that Jesus says, I've trained you. I've given you everything you need in your backpack. You're fully equipped, fully gifted. Go do this thing. All right. And I'll meet you on the other side. Call me when you get there. Right? But and the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that he never intended me to go through that obstacle course or that trial or that struggle without him being in the midst of it with me. It was an opportunity for relationship building. It's a trust exercise, right? It's not a, can you handle this, you know? So I like to take my cell phone out and I like to um, think, well, I'll just text him. I may have had some questions in the midst of it. You know, am I going the right direction? You know, um, Jesus, you know, how am I doing? Oh, Jesus, now I've gotten lost. I ran too far and I need you to help me Help me get out of this, right? Everybody had that phone call with Jesus in the midst of it. Help me, Jesus. I don't know what to do anymore. I thought I had it figured out, but I actually don't. And so that's never what he intended us to do. He doesn't want to be a phone call away. He wants to be right by our side in the midst of it. And the fact of the matter is, is that he is. It's just our ability to remember that when we're in the midst of it, right? And to recognize it and to realize that there's no fear There's no fear in coming to him. There's no fear in having a relationship with him when you realize that no matter what circumstance you're in, he was actually with you all the time, and he wasn't a phone call away. If we believe that he's a phone call away, and we can call him when we need help, but the rest of the time I'm in this by myself, then it's a lot harder to call him when you need him because you have this fear that, well, what if he says it's not time yet? Well, what if he says it's, you know, I've got to keep going? Well, he's not saying any of that because the whole point of everything is to draw you closer to him. So he wants us to be assured that when we seek him, we'll find him because he never left us in the first place, right? So, um, so again, my strength can be my weakness in relationship with Jesus. So um, in First Chronicles 16.11, it says, Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. So 
In all actuality, in his presence is where his strength is contained. I want my strength to be in seeking his presence. I want that to be what I'm known for. I want that to be what I can say is my greatest strength, is seeking his presence. Because in his presence is everything that we're actually going to need, not in the book pack, right? So it's something that I'm growing towards. It's not something I have fully attained yet, but it's something we're all being led towards greater and greater each and every day. If you'll go to the next one. This one's a little longer. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And the Lord said, this is, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I'll remove my hand and you'll see my back. My face must not be seen. So in this verse, Moses is saying, Lord, it's not worth persevering unless you're in it, right? It's not, it's not worth getting to the other side unless you're already there with me. And I think that's pretty amazing because sometimes people like me can go, man, I'm going to get to the other side of this trial I'm in. And it's going to be awesome. But where's the Lord when you get there? You know, he was with you all along. But did you know that? So. Have you ever noticed that different times in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, it'll say, for God was with them, you know? So they would say this, they knew that, the enemy knew that that was God's people because they would say, God's with them, so we can't touch them. They'd run back into their cities like in Joshua, and they'd lock the gates because they're like, obviously Yahweh is with them, so I'm not going to mess with them, right? So that's really our inheritance as sons and daughters is that we know that because of what Jesus did, no matter what we do, God is with us. And so the enemy can take one look at us and go, I'm going to back up because I understand that God is with them. And that litmus test has already happened on the cross for me, you know? So when you think about when the um, Israelites went into exile and you're like, well, where was God? Had God left them or did they forget him? You know, you have to think about these things. We know that the Bible says that we belong to him now, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So if you'll go to the next one, it says, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, passion fierce as the grave. It flashes or flashes of fire, a raging flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. So because we know that nothing separates us from the love of God, Nothing can pull him away from us or stop his pursuit of us. We have to ask ourselves, is that true of us also? When the flood comes and the water rages, will we remember that he's with us or will we forget him? And will we let those things drown out what we believe about him? He is our passionate pursuit and we are his. So even when we persevere, we're going to do it in the context of him. We can stop being focused on getting to the other side because we know that when we get there, 
he's going to be with us. But the whole point was that he was always in the boat with us. And so it's not a matter of whether or not we get to the other side. It's just a matter of finding him in the boat with us. Maybe that's the whole point, you know? So no matter how much or how little you all can relate to this, my weakness, um, no matter how often any of us do it, whether it's for a couple weeks, couple days, couple months, couple years, the point is, is that God doesn't want us to stay this way. And what he does is he reminds us. He reminds us by the pulling of our heart and the tugging of our hand to come back to him and to remember our first love. And it's not a thing like we've done something wrong, but it's just a thing to say, no matter what you're doing in the kingdom, no matter what you're doing in your life, I'm first and foremost, because you can't have life outside of me. It just won't work. So he tugs on your heart and he pulls you back and he reminds you of your first love because that's the safest place to be and that's the fullness of everything, right? So it's a short message today. If everyone would just close their eyes. Remember that God is with you and he's just a phone call away. He's not just a phone call away, but he's with you rather. So as you're closing your eyes, just want you to take a moment to just reflect on his presence and to recognize that he's with you and that there's nothing you can do to make that stop. You can't even refuse it. <laughs> you can't even get distracted from it. There's just nothing you can do. His pursuit of you is always and forever because of what Jesus did. And also, just like the Israelites, the Lord is pleased with you because of what Jesus did. That's how we know he's with us. He's pleased with us. And there's nothing that can change that. So the Holy Spirit, I just ask that in this time as we close our eyes and we reflect on this truth, whether we feel it or not, whether we've forgotten yesterday or not, that you just remind us, God, that you're with us. And anytime we want, we can stop in the midst of our relationship we can check and see how we're doing. We can have a friendship. And we can sense that you're with us. Because no matter what we do, you're pleased with us. So just begin to let the Lord show you in whatever way he shows you. That he's pleased with you and he loves you. And he's never left you. And that nothing can stand against you. Because he's with you. In Jesus' name, amen.